You're listening to the Pop Tart Podcast. Girls down. You already know. The greatest thing the Republican Party ever did was convince poor white people that they had their best interest in mind. Well, one, I don't think that Black Lives Matter is an agenda. I think Black Lives Matter is a cry for help. This is the thing. People talk about being racist all day, but I had with a man with an SS tattoo on his face hit on me. So, and he meant it. He meant it. Hello. Hello. <laughs> and welcome to Pop-Tarts. Be, 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 be. I'm Emily Rems. And I'm Callie Watts. We're both editors of Bust Magazine in New York City. We love talking to each other about pop culture. We love talking to you about pop culture. And today we have a very special guest. Our guest today is super funny and her name is Dulce Sloan. She has been a correspondent on The Daily Show with Trevor Noah since 2017. And her segments frequently go viral and get millions of views. In 2019, she got her own Comedy Central Presents stand-up special, and in 2020, she launched her podcast, That Black Ass Show, on Starburns Audio. Coming up on November 13th, she's co-starring in a new comedy called Chick Fight that's basically a girl version of Fight Club, and she literally steals every scene that she is in. Callie and I both saw it. We both thought it was funny, and I predict that many, many more films will be in her future. Welcome to our show, Dulce Sloan. Hello. Hello. (laughs) Thank you again so much for coming on the show. We um, have enjoyed your work for such a long time. And you were also recently in Bust Magazine, and we loved that as well. Um, yeah, I uh, my mom actually took one of the pictures that I did. She took one of the pictures from the bus shoot, like the one where I'm in the pink dress with the pink background. Uh-huh. And she put it on a pillow. And <gasps> she was like, oh, this is so cute. I was like, because she sent it to me. She's like, Oh, you want me to make more so I can sell them so you can sell them as merch? And I was like, no. Because <laughs> people are nasty, mama. <laughs> so I would like to get to start from the beginning. I know that you're from Atlanta and I know that you studied theater in college. What happened between then and the daily show to make you the comedy star that you are today? Give us a little taste of your journey. Um I just started, I started going to this comedy club in Atlanta because my, um, one of my little sisters from college ran the door. So she let me in for free. And, um, cause like people think that like, I'm just now getting into acting. People don't know that I was actually an actor first and mm-hmm. then started doing stand up. Um, cause I've been acting since I was a kid. So like doing singing, like singing and theater and doing musicals and stuff like that I've been doing since I was like in chorus I've been doing since I was like 10 so um I I got into stand-up around 2009 and then I started doing stand-up full-time in November of 2015 and then I booked the daily show in July of 2017 and then moved to New York in September of 2017 that's fast so like last week <laughs> pretty three, much like three years in new york but um do you like stand-up more than acting um they're completely different it's not one that i like more it's just they both give me an opportunity to perform and my goal was always to be to make a living as a performer mm-hmm. so if i'm you know making a living as a comic and getting in going back to acting and getting to do our acting opportunities. It's still, I'm not in somebody's office telling people I can't turn their lights back on in two languages. So <laughs> that was you, got, you, you just want to do it all. I just want, I didn't want to be in somebody's office telling, I just didn't want to do, I just was like, I can't live my life with day jobs. Like I'm not, I'm not supposed to be here. I'm not supposed to be doing this. Um, my late last day, day job, I was working at a, a construction supply company, um, selling stucco. That in, sounds in boring as Spanish. Um, as actually very goofy. Uh, and <laughs> my boss, uh, was very supportive. So she let me take a lot of days off of work to let me do festivals and, uh, to let me do, uh, these 
these um, events called NACA where you audition for colleges to be able to perform at colleges. So I started booking colleges and that's how I had to quit that job because I started getting work as a, a comic full time. That's awesome. The Daily Show, it seems like a very fun place to work. I know right now that it is a fun place to work from your couch. But before that, it seemed like a very fun place to work. I went to um, a taping around the, the time that Jessica Williams was on her cover. And it seemed super cool. But I know that anywhere you work is still work. I'm curious what the corporate culture is like at The Daily Show. Like what it's like when like the part that we don't see as the audience. It's just, it's like every office. It's like every office? It's office. I People really think that we're just out here. Like, think of more like, I guess, like, the best example I could give is, like, a non-quirky 30 Rock. Where it's like, <laughs> where it's like the, but nobody's the wacky. No one's wacky. So it's like, the writers have their area that they're in, all their offices, and then all the correspondents were on another side of the building. And then everyone in that's in production is in between us in the middle of the building. And then downstairs is where the studio is. So the crew Uh and the studio are downstairs and then all the production and stuff is upstairs. But the crew doesn't even come in to like one because we don't shirt rehearsal to about three or four. So about production upstairs, they get there like at 10. So... Um, so it's an office. It's an office. But at the end of your day, you're actually on on our screens. Some days, because people are like, because like people bring me up and they're like, "You see me every night on the Daily Show." And I was like, "No, no, 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 no. You see Trevor <laughs> every night on the Daily Show. My name ain't on nothing. Uh, I'm on when I'm on." So and that's it true. Is, yeah, and it is interesting because like a lot of people think that I'm a writer on the show. I was like, no. Mm. I'm a correspondent on the show. When it comes to the field pieces, that's when we have a lot of the creative control over um, something that goes on the show is when we have a field piece, especially like like when I did um, Black Girl Midterm Magic, I pitched that piece. Me and um, actually one of the researchers, me and one oh, of the nice. researchers, we pitched that piece. Um, and then was so it was the joke meeting. So she came to me with the idea and then I wrote it up. And then I met with our head of our field department and then we got a segment and we got a field producer involved and collaborated with him. And then, you know, we had the things that we wanted to hit in the interview when we interviewed Janine Lake. And so it was like, okay, we need to punch this up. We need some jokes here. We need some jokes here. Then we'd have a joke meeting with the writers. But then I flew to Indiana to interview this woman. So all of that was, you know, this is a piece that I pitched with another young lady so most of the control of it kind of was on my end. And then when I'm interviewing the person, I have a script that I go off of, like with the questions that we want to hit. But I'm also allowed, based on what their answers are, to make whatever jokes fit, to veer off and maybe add a, ask a question that we didn't think of before. Um, and like with the count on it um, pieces that we've been running about the census, I was pitching census stuff at like the end of last year. Mm. And so me and CJ Hunt, who's a field producer, were kind of able to put that not only into one thing about the census, but make it something that became a recurring piece. Because now we have one coming up about the cost of police brutality. So Mm -hmm. we were able to turn it into um, something we call a refillable, where it's, let's see what the cost is of these social problems in America. What Mm -hmm. is it costing people? Mm -hmm. And for the people who don't think that these are issues, uh, white people, the people that don't think (laughs) these are issues. Mm -hmm. Right. So it's like, okay, you don't think police brutality is an issue, but do you know that when a police department pays out a settlement, taxpayers pay for that? Exactly. Right. If they made it so a policeman had to pay for the settlement his damn self, do you know they would rethink everything? Right, like if, you know, Milwaukee's police department or Buffalo's police department. or Brianna Taylor's family's getting $12 million. Right, and so when the fam- when, some- when a family sues a police department, 
the citizens of Louisville, out of their tax dollars, out of their hard work money, hard earned money, are giving her fam are paying that settlement. Yeah. But the thing is, police budgets are city budgets. Exactly. City budgets are still taxpayer money. So even if the police department itself was still paying, it's still taxpayer money that went into the police department in the first place. Now, if it came, if it came out of the police union, Mm. that's a completely different situation because you as you as someone in a union pay dues to a union. So if there's a nationwide union, and if the union itself, because like SAG is a nationwide union, the Writers Guild, the Directors Guild, the uh, the uh, electricians, plumbers, those are all, you know, grips, gaffs, all those people, those are all nationwide, if not multiple country unions. So if your union had to pay, mm-hmm. then that would be your money that paid in. Then that might change. Because, like, oh, if it came out of the police budget, but police budgets are still city budgets. Right. The fact that, think about, like, when the riots were happening during the protests, people were more upset about property, because that's what the cops really do. They protect property and protect people. When Right. These bitches. Right. So, when you think about, when you think about people saying that, oh, we shouldn't be doing this, we shouldn't be doing that, America has always shown me that tearing up shit is how you get results. Exactly. Like the what Boston was one of the Tea biggest, Party. What, they all that's go. the main example I was going to use. But people talk about the Boston Tea Party like we you know this thing of revolution. That's property damage. And also, these dudes that went on there for the Boston Tea Party, they also disguised themselves as Native Americans. So if there were any consequences, they wouldn't have to face them. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So when you look at the history of America and we're known for tearing up shit, going to other people's countries and tearing up shit. Mm-hmm. We are a co- we are now the cops of the world since World War II because we got bombed at Pearl Harbor and we were like, never a fucking again. No, we'll be the ones that we'll bust up your shit before you come over here again. We have been even before that, it's America has started out by tearing up shit. That's what we do. So if you're telling me that we need change, if something has to be changed, seeing people get killed is not what affected you, but a target on fire. So you saw the video of Ahmaud Arbery. You saw the video of Breonna, like not Breonna Taylor, of George Floyd. And you've seen all of these, of the young man who was shot in Atlanta at outside the Wendy's. You've seen all of these videos and that didn't move you. But the young man that was murdered outside the Wendy's the man that was murdered outside the Wendy's, the Wendy was set on fire. Y'all mad about this Wendy's on fire. What part of Wendy's do you own? What part of Target mm-hmm. do you own? What? What? Mm-hmm. How are you in... Somebody busted the windows out of advanced auto parts, which we come to find out that wasn't even us doing. I know, right? Mm-hmm. That was anarchist groups infiltrating their way into these, into peaceful protests. And the thing that I knew, this is how I knew we had gotten too wild is because... um. Bernice King said on Twitter, she's like, y'all, y'all are talking about these pieces of protests. My father peacefully protested and y'all assassinated him. Absolutely. Yep. And then there were people arguing with her. No. On Twitter. Oh my These gosh. same people that were then quoting Martin Luther King, the black people saying he wouldn't have wanted this. He wouldn't have wanted this. And I'm just like, well, we already have a quote saying that he said that writing is a language of the unheard. So say something else. You can't talk to me about what he would have said about Ryan because this is the quote. This is literally what the man said. Say something else. The nerve to talk back to Bernice King yeah, in the first place. Insane. She said, y'all are the reason I grew up without this. America is the reason I grew up without a father. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And the thing is, it has, it has absolutely She's just speaking total facts. Nothing. All she did was say total facts. That's all she ever did. And so the fact that you can get the same people that could try to throw, because anybody that tried to pull that, I just want change in a calm way. Change has never come in a calm way. Never. That's not how anything works. Mm-mm. Because that means that for every time that John Lewis had a concussion and was arrested, did you have any sympathy for him? There is a history of people protesting in a peaceful manner and being met with violence by the police. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. They just ain't sticking dogs on folks now. 
there was a very recent video that just went around of a police dog that just attacks this guy in the backyard. He had hands up and the dog just runs. And then this cop couldn't even train his fucking dog right. Like, you should be able to get your dog off of somebody in a second. If you're going to have a dog in the first place. I mean, anytime I, uh, even in regular life, uh, just anytime I see a German shepherd just out and about with anybody, I just go, ah, civil rights dog. And I go on about my life. <laughs> that dog has no other name to me. There's nothing else. I don't need it. I Honestly, I just went on a whole tangent that nobody asked for. What was your other question? I apologize for the inconvenience. Your very first Daily Show segment, New York Fashion Week, where cultural appropriation never goes out of style, now has almost a million views on YouTube. Your other piece, Dumb Solutions to Policing Problems, from last year has over half a million views. These are examples of how art can be activism and how comedy can be one of the most powerful tools for change and for consciousness raising. I'd love to know more about how you view yourself as an activist during this particular moment in trying to push the, the Black Lives Matter agenda forward? Well, one, I don't think that Black Lives Matter is an agenda. I think Black Lives Matter is a cry for help. It's a cry for acknowledgement. Because mm-hmm. the fact that the fact that someone just said, "Us, be, our lives matter, and then so many people got upset about it. Mm-hmm. Uh, as all of like the people who are upset when we started saying black girl magic as opposed mm-hmm. but if you see us as lesser than than us asserting ourselves in any way that's not going to continue to make you continue to think that we're lesser than mm-hmm. then of course it's going to bother you I don't think that I don't think it's agenda I don't think it's an agenda I think it is literally. I misspoke. I apologize for that. Mm-hmm. I understand. If you are going to, if the whole basis of your country is deciding that people with darker skin than you are lesser than you, mm-hmm. you have they have to be lesser than you if you're going to abuse them and murder them and rape them and treat them in any way that's lesser than. Mm-hmm. They have to be less intelligent. If you look mm-hmm. at the hist- history of how women have been treated around the world, mm-hmm. we have to be inferior. Because you can't treat them equal. If you think when someone is equal or superior to you, you're never going to have the balls to treat them in a disrespectful and murderous way. You can't do it. So we have to be lesser than. We have to be inferior. We have to be, you know, even in sports, we have to be more physical instead of mental. And it's like, all right, whatever. But when it comes to... You know, my stand-up, like, I was doing um, an event at the uh, Lyndon B. Johnson Summit on Race in his library in uh, Austin. And I'm on this panel, and it's, like, me and, like, George Lopez, Tashir Zameda, and a partner in Charla. And, um, I, you know, they're asking us all these questions about, you know, being comics of color or whatever in America and dealing with mainstream society. And I just kind of got to the point, and I was like, listen, y'all already paid me, so I'm going to say what I want. Um, <laughs> I said, this whole thing is a pat on the back for y'all. This is to make y'all mm-hmm. feel good. This is to make y'all feel like y'all did something. What are y'all doing after we get out of this arena? What are we doing after y'all? What are y'all doing to help mm-hmm. once this event is over? And they started clapping and George Lopez was like, yo, stop clapping. Really? Me and him both were like, yo, stop. He was like, listen to what she's saying. Yeah. I was like, stop clapping. I don't need your support. I need you to listen to me. What are, what the fuck is, what is happening after this is over? We had our nice dinner. You raised the money. That's fucking great. What are you wiping? Because I said, this is a summit on race. How many, and there was like probably, I don't know, this auditorium was huge. And I was like, how many people in this auditorium right now are not white? And it was maybe 20 people. Wow. I was like, you're having a summit on race and only people of color are the ones sitting on the stage? What are you doing? Andrew Young is in the back. Glad I got to meet him. But also, what are we doing? They started clapping again. I was like, I was like, all right. My check <laughs> gonna clear. It's cool. It don't matter. I was so glad to see 
when the protest started, it was people of color going, we have been marching since the 60s. Mm-hmm. And the cops are still acting the same. Yep. Cities are still just as segregated. And, you know, and people talk a lot of shit about, you know, the South. Because anytime somebody does like wants to do a racist person's voice, they always do a Southern accent. Well, no One, shocker. My parents are from the South. Right. But no shocker. America, the whole country's fucking racist. So, so I've had more racist stuff happen to me outside the South than happen to me in the South. Because the fun thing that people don't realize, not to say that it's not racist, but I don't like the fact that people who live on the West Coast, people who don't live in the South have scapegoated the South as it's the only place in America that racism exists. That's true. Right. Which isn't fair to... The rest of racist middle America. (laughs) Which isn't fair. Which isn't fair to... I mean, New York is plenty racist. Very fucking racist. New York is very fucking racist. Because I had a joke about it. And I was like, I know that the North is more racist than the South. Because in the North, you split up white people. Nobody mm-hmm. in the That's South true. cares where the fuck you're as long as you're white. We don't give a fuck. Live your life. We do not care. In the North, y'all split up groups of white people. Who the fuck has <laughs> time for that? Oh my god. Well, in your in your act, you said that in New York, you like to play the game Jewish or Italian, which yeah, I thought was I don't, very funny. I I would like I to know. know uh Dulce Sloan. Mm-hmm. Take a look at my face. Am I Jewish or am I Italian? You're a woman. I don't care. <laughs> care? Uh, girl, I don't care. <laughs> I just wanted to know how good you were at the game. No, that's I'm not. I've already proven I'm not good at this game. <laughs> <laughs> the first time I ever heard, like, this dude was talking about, he's like, well, you know, my family's like Irish and French and German. And one of my other white friends was like, yeah, we're white mutts. What are you doing? No one cares. <laughs> He's like, no one cares. You know, being from the South, every white person's always trying to tell me that their great-grandmother was an Indian princess. And I was like, let me say something first. One, your, you said, your your father said, you said, well, my grandfather said that his great-grandmother, I was like, how is it always the same grandmother? So your grandfather, you, no joke, dude. As a white person, I literally thought I was native because my parents are from Tennessee. And so I they would always take me to this uh, Native American shop, a like little town thing, and get me this Native American doll every year and teach me about my Cherokee history, which does not exist. Does not exist. One of my <laughs> it does friends. Does not exist. But one it of my was friends like told to yeah. us that it was it's- there. Because that's how you get a foothold in the legitimacy in a country that you took over. (laughs) They're Mm -hmm. like, oh, Mm -hmm. we have a little bit of this. Right. And black people do the same thing. And it's just like, well, if I look at my grandmother, she was XX and X. I remember watching um, that Henry Louis Gates show, um, Finding Finding Your Roots. roots. Yeah. And he was saying like, and he had just literally just one episode where it was just like, just clips of like at least 10 guests saying that they had native and coming to find out like Morgan Freeman thought he had some, he had 0%. And he's like, mm-hmm. wow, now I have to go apologize to the Choctaw nation of Mississippi. <laughs> and it's like, but guess what he found out? He what? He had white ancestry. A lot same of with Tina Turner. Right. And the same, the only person who had anything significant was Chris Tucker. And he was only 11%. So, but Henry Louis Gates point was like, think about it. Would you rather acknowledge that the reason your grandmother had hair down her back was because uh, or your great grandmother had hair down her back was because her mother had been raped by a slave owner, or would you rather say mm-hmm. uh, we're a part Native American? Because mm-hmm. they were right. like, "Well, how could this be true?" And Henry Louis Gates basically had to say, just had to say, they had to kick the Native Americans off the land so they could make plantations in the first place. Mm-hmm. So they were already gone. They had already kicked them off for them to even establish for them to steal the country. You had to get, take people who lived there off of it first. And you push them out. So, it, I mean, it's it's interesting that anyone who was born here, black or white, we all we're all pulling for with 
white people, it's like, I have legitimacy because I'm descended from the native population. And then it's mm-hmm. like, for black people, it's like, oh, no, well, that's why they look like that. So us is denying a trauma. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Now, I don't know if that's everybody's reason. Also, it just, you know, sounds fun to say, I got Indian in my family. I don't know everybody's reasoning for it. But <laughs> a lot of people just want to go to a festival with a headpiece. Some, some, listen, me and my cousin went to a powwow one time and we, because they were in, uh, there was a powwow at Gwinnett County Fairgrounds and they were like, anybody can come. So me and my cousin went and they actually invited people who are not Native American to be in the circle. And it was a great experience. And then when I went to Alaska, um, I was doing like the University of Juneau and one of the teachers at the school, she is, I believe she was Inuit. And they, and she has a dance group and they were performing at a folk festival that weekend. They just happened to be, and then she invited me. And then when they had their, um, when they're leaving when the recession, like not the, re- like it's a procession. I don't know what the, like, I guess the exit, um, mm-hmm. would it be a recession? I don't know. Um, she invited me to come up and said that I was a guest and then had me to walk out with them, which I thought was great, but it was just like, it wasn't me going, well, you know, I'm one of y'all. Like, no, 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 yeah, no, That's no, appreciation no, no. versus appropriations. Two different right. things. Right. It was, thank you for inviting me. Thank you mm-hmm. for acknowledging me. Thank you for bringing me. Um, but. Yeah. You know, learning my, about a culture is great. Pretending that right. you know about a culture. It's terrible. <laughs> Because, like, my mom and my brother did their 23 and Me's. Of course, it was, like, black and white. And it was, like, a tiny bit of Native American, like, 1% or 2% Native American. Mm-hmm. And then what was interesting for my mom is that she had, uh, she had, like, what was, like, 1% or 2%, like, Pakistan, India, Burma. Mm-hmm. And we were like, what the hell was that? <laughs> this day, on this today, day, I was today, just about to bring up your exciting news today. Our- our podcast's producer, Luscious Logan Del Fuego, who is also my life partner, he mm. is Puerto Rican. He's Puerto Rican gentleman. And um, today he found out from Ancestry.com that he is 2% Eastern European Jewish. And I am like 99.99% Eastern European Jewish. Right, and we're right, like right. about to have a bar mitzvah for him. Like we That's are so running around this house. Sent a message like, to everybody at work. She was, or no, it was on Facebook. You were like, guess what? Oh, the world knows. I texted my mom. What holiday is it today? It's um, it's today. We are recording this on Rosh Hashanah. Shana Tova to you and yours. <laughs> have a oh. happy, have a healthy. But yeah, today on the Rosh, we find out that Luscious Logan is two percent Jewish. Wow, L'chaim. he's a man. Yeah, um, doing those jokes about we trying to pull this Jewish dude to some of these shows in New York. These chicks was not happy, dog. Ooh. Oh, no. I had some of these girls with me mugging the hell out of me. Well, they come up to me like, like after a show, like, why would you want that? And I'm like, I don't. Who are you, lady? Get away from me. Well, maybe they were just asking me that because uh, from my point of view, I'm like, why does she want that? Because I'm like, you can, frankly, you can have them, honestly. It's either that or get away, get away. Like, cause you know, like any, <laughs> like any event with more than like 10 Jewish women, I think just becomes a singles event. And <laughs> I cannot tell you, and I'm not trying to be rude. Please don't try to come for me. But I've had multiple Jewish friends say to me that they have been invited to something under the pretense that it was just a social event. And then it was, and then that was a singles event. She's like, there's so many times I've been tricked into going to stuff. And I'm like, well, you know, such and such is having a party. You get there. It's like singles. She's like, bitch, I just came to drink and hang out. How is this another singles event? So, and I'm like, like, I remember. They get it from their mamas. They must. Jews are just upset. Jews are obsessed with making 100% Jewish babies. It's like a very unfortunate obsession that I wish that they would break. But yeah, there's like, there's a deep cultural obsession with Jews marrying Jews and making Jewish babies. Like so much so that like when we are teenagers, we have these youth groups and these youth retreats where they like send teenage Jews off somewhere and just don't, and they have as little supervision as possible, hoping that like someone's going to get knocked up because that's how much they want us to make Jewish babies. I get it. <laughs> I get it. I completely understand. 
We all know what happened during World War II. Nobody is confused as to what Hitler the fuck did. Nobody. When I, I'm like, yep, mm-hmm. I get it. I get it. But I completely yeah. understand. But that kind of behavior just makes tasty gentlemen like the Puerto Rican luscious Logan even more enticing to you know the Jewess such as myself. I get it. This is forbidden fruit, literally. <laughs> also, so now that I know he's two percent, he's just like it's like oh really. <laughs> Do not break up with Logan because he's got two percent. I won't know. I promise. It's I only two percent. He just found me. out. It's fine. But yeah, like. Yeah. We drink milk that's stronger than that. <laughs> he ain't even whole milk Jewish girl. <laughs> he ain't even vitamin D Jewish girl. Get out of here. Um, <laughs> no, I get it. I did tell my manager one day because he's Jewish because that's why I'm successful. Um, I told my manager one day. Like one of my friends asked me, he just goes like one of my friends goes, is your manager Jewish? Like, bitch, don't cuss at me. Of course he is. How dare you? Um, but we're also really good friends. I love him. But um, I said to him one day, I was like, hey, man, I think I'm going to have to give up on, uh, I think I'm going to give up on these Jewish cats. And he went, what? And I was like, yeah, <laughs> dog, I think, I think it's over, baby. I think it's, I think the dream has died. He was like, no. And I was like, what? And he was like, and he looked me dead in my eyes and he was like, <laughs> don't give up on your dreams, Dulce. And I was like, What? <laughs> He's out there. I'm sure he's out there. I'm like, Reg, what are you talking about? He was like, if you give up on this dream, you'll give up on any other dream. I'm like, you got to calm down, baby. You got to chill. I have a cousin I could introduce you to. He's a lawyer. He's single. He's 100% Jewish. You Mm, tried to, is this the the cousin you tried to hook me up with? No, different cousin. That cousin's half Italian. Oh, that cousin smoked a lot of weed. See, that cousin's a tricky. That, see, you can't be, (laughs) hey, man. Half Jewish, half Italian is tough. That's just the same dude. Yeah. <laughs> um, I need to make sure that I ask you before you have to leave about Chick Fight. It's pretty funny. We My main just issue... got to the movie. <laughs> no, I know. This conversation because has been I'm, so good. Because, because I'm good for a tangent. <laughs> My main love issue. <laughs> My main issue with the movie is that you weren't in it more because you were my 100% yeah. favorite part. Oh, and you. I need to know when we will be seeing you in a lead role in a movie and who do I need to talk about that and how is this going to happen because you need to be on the screen in every scene I mean you know that's up to the Lord honestly uh, <laughs> I don't know I do know that uh, the Rona kind of put a lot of stuff mm-hmm. on hold for everybody mm-hmm. but you know I am you know, they are starting to audition again and they're starting to like shoot social distancely on sets and stuff. Um, I don't know. I'm kind of, you know, we have to see what happens after uh, the movie comes out. But, you know, I can say that uh, it was interesting because when I booked the movie, I was talking to my manager and I was like, yo, man, I'm going to have to get my nails cut down. And that was my first thought. I was like, I can't make a fist. I can't make a fist yeah. with these nails. And these are actually shorter than I had them before. How much of and, the uh, stunts did you guys do? That that was some good stunting. Um, I I did all of mine. Um, other, you were fighting. Yeah, I had to was learn. That's, wild. Yeah, that's why I had to get my nails cut down because I look. I mean, my nails are too long to make like a strong fist, and so I have to like I get punched in the face. Um, so you legit got punched in the fucking face. I legit like hit in the face. Yeah. Oh my god! Wow. I mean, it's played, but it's literally it was a. If you did, you have to train to get punched in the face, like they got trained to get mm-hmm. punched in the face. Because we all had to learn. I mean, you learn fight choreography. Yeah, so training. you're like learning to lean when they come in. Learn to lean, but also it's when you, if you don't actually con make contact with somebody, it looks awful, right. and it's on. Yeah, like you could like on stage, like if you're doing a play, you can fake it with just the head turn yeah and the angles and stuff right because the angles but the audience is only sitting in one spot when you're doing it on camera we have multiple setups so it has to be me getting hit and then them throwing the punch and then you know just let's see what the punch looked like from this side let's see what the punch looked like from this side you know what <laughs> we should also see what the punch looked like from this side so you have to make contact 
And so after doing that repeat, even if you're not getting hit, hit, someone pushing your face five, six, seven, ten takes, eventually it's gonna hurt. And then it's, you know, and then it's because there were, like for me, I didn't have a stunt person, but I didn't fight as much as Malin did. And I didn't fight as much as Bella Thorne did. But, like, me and uh, Nicole, when I punched Nicole, I punched Nicole. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but Bella Thorne had a stunt person, right? I be- I think. I don't know. That was, that was crazy. That was, like, some spider, some spider movie shit going on. I don't know. Honestly, between that fog machine going, because we were, like, in an old building in Puerto Rico that... Uh, you know how grimy the building looks in the movie? Yeah. Yeah. There was not any set dressing to make it look. <laughs> it just came that way. It woke up like that. In between takes, we had masks on. Oh, wow. Was this so, pre And this is pre-corona. You were just warming was, up. This was right before corona. So in between takes, because also there's a smoke machine going. Oh, yeah. To create just the ambiance. Like there's... A lot of times when you're watching movies and if it looks, even if it doesn't look smoky, if there's a like, thick, like a thick, like a nice, like every club scene, even if it's not smoky. I have sometimes- news for you. I had somebody and I don't know why they did this. They bought me a smoke machine. So sometimes oh, so I just bust up a smoke machine in the kitchen. Yeah. <laughs> just and, to make it look. And we have a karaoke good. machine. So it gets, That's amazing. it gets mad loose up here. Sometimes just me, it's, it's coronavirus. So it's just me and the husband smoke machining <laughs> and karaoke. And I yeah. love it. That makes perfect sense. A smoke machine. You just need a little bit of lights. Yeah. Right. It's ambiance. Now imagine if that smoke machine was on all day, every day. That's wild. For nine days. That's crazy. I don't know why this dude bought me a smoke machine. It was the dumbest thing anybody ever bought me. My neighbors hate me. They sent me a note that said, thanks for not throwing a party. <laughs> nice. It was wow. a pre-note they I gave know. me the night before. Listen, just put a towel under a door. You'll be fine. I mean, I could. You also, you couldn't even open your windows because then somebody would think your apartment's on fire. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Dulce Sloan, I need to ask you, mm-hmm. are you a feminist? I don't know. Nope. Uh, I know that I want women to get paid the same, and I know that I want, uh, you know, equal access to health care, equal access to employment. It's, I think a lot of times for the same way that, for the same way that it was getting misconstrued during the protest when people were busting out windows... Mm-hmm. And they thought it was a Black Lives Matters movement, but it wasn't. Mm-hmm. I think there are a lot of people doing stuff in the name of feminism that has nothing to do with feminism. Okay. I hear yeah. you. And I see like, like the way that like women who want to stay home get attacked. Mm. It's trash. And it's like, but I thought, because like I was doing this thing for the uh, Miss Foundation at Clarelines one time. I have this bit about me wanting to be a trophy wife and Gloria Steinem's five feet from me. <laughs> and I could see like the women in the audience were like, oh, I'm like, ah, ah. and some of the women were laughing, but some of the women were like, wow. And I turned and I turned to Gloria Steinem. I'm just like, I see folks here above tight, but I said, but I thought the whole point of feminism was being able to choose. And she was like, yep. And I was like, thank you. Gloria Steinem ain't got no problem. If Gloria Simon got no problem with me being no trophy wife, this shit, let's go. The only thing stopping me is that I talk too much. That's the problem. <laughs> I still think you're a feminist. Everything you said was very feminist. You think just that feminism got co-opted, which is fair. I, I think it's been I think it's been co-opted by I think it's been co-opted by white women with money. And I think it's been fair assessment. Because I had a uh a friend say to me one day, he was like, he said, I understand. He was like, the thing that's so confusing for him about feminism is, you know, talking about a women's right to work. He said, I come from a poor family. The women in my family always worked. 
My mother worked. My grandmother worked. All my sisters, all my aunts, cousins, all the women. He was like, so that's one fight I kind of don't understand when it comes to feminism is that poor women have always worked. Yeah. Right. You know, they weren't working the best jobs, but poor people don't work the best jobs while they're poor. Usually we just go to the default Webster of feminism is that we should have the same rights. Yeah, that yeah. women and men deserve to have the same rights and privileges in society. Because right, I just fact- like textbook definitions. I, I don't like to go to the watered down crazy shit people and pound on stuff. I go for straight the meaning. And that's that we deserve the same shit. This is the final question I have for you. And then I know that you have to go, but I feel like I could talk to you forever. You're the best. You're literally the best. Um, I need to know before we let Dulce go the question that we ask all of our guests, which is what you watching. And that question actually covers a lot. We're talking about movies, TV, books, music, music videos, podcasts. If you are consuming it pop culturally, we want to know about it because it is probably very, very cool. Dulce Sloan, what you watching? Uh, I have been binging the repair shop on Netflix. And basically it's this uh, oh my God. show about people. Oh my God, dudes. Ruth Bader? Restorations of like family heirlooms. Sorry. Wait, what? Yeah, I'm sorry. Ruth Bader Ginsburg just died and that just like flashed up on our phones I'm, while you were I'm answering that and we're all just like crying just got punched in the watching. face by that. Yeah. Holy fuck. Oh, shh. Let's, there go our abortion rights, you guys. She tried. She really she did, did try. She held the fuck she on. She held on. Oh, fuck. Wow. It's not even on Google yet. It just, just came out a minute it. ago That's on NPR. Oh, my God. Fuck. I wish I could hug you right now. I'm going to go put on my Ruth Bader sneakers. Oh, I know. All right. Five minutes ago. Damn. What? Shit. Girl, you might, you're going to need a minute. You're going to need a minute. You're going to need a lifetime after this. Yeah. All right. But let's wrap this up and then I'm going to be really sad. Girl. Callie, I, I can wrap it up, Callie, if you, okay. if you need to go take, take some time. Don't cheer me up. Okay. Cheer um, me up. We all want to hear what you're watching. And, so, and then we'll collectively grieve. So t- tell um, us about Repair Shop. So it's a show that's set in the UK where they um, rent, uh, where they restore family heirlooms. So like you've got a teddy bear that you've had since World War II. Um, if you've, They fixed a uh, 300-year-old desk that was passed oh, down wow. from this woman's awesome. family line. Um, clocks, signs, all kinds of stuff. They, and, you know, they have always have a good story to them, and so they're like, uh, they were sort of paintings and ceramics and stuff like that. Like this lady got a plate fixed, and she thought it was just like a fun little plate, but turned out to be like a, a Japanese what? bloodletting dish, and she had no <laughs> idea. So they had it was like, or it's a barber's bowl, and I was like, we need to finish the research because you're giving me two different things. Um, but I to me right now, yeah, that sounds awesome. There's a lot of Steve, uh, steam powered toys from like the 40s, which just seemed very dangerous to give children. Uh, so like they had one was like this steam powered car where basically you have to put like paraffin wax, set it on fire put it in this compartment underneath the car and then there's boiling water in it and it makes the car run. Wow. It's a metal car. And I was like, who the hell would give this to a 10 year old? But it was also, I guess there was also no <laughs> child labor law. So I don't know. And I just finished this Korean drama called all the guys who loved me. So. Oh, nice. Um, My uncle Mark is obsessed with Korean dramas. I'm sure he's watched that. One. This is the thing. This is the secret friends. If you feel a little bit of the depression, depression mode coming on. Mm hmm. Watch a Korean drama only because it is very hard to be sad and read True. subtitles at the same time. Oh my God, that's what time it is. Oh, okay. you gotta get out of here, dude. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Dulce Sloan. Ah, this is why I always get in trouble before shows. <laughs> this was well, the thank best. you very much. You're the best. Thank you so much. <laughs> I'll talk to you. Wait, so I can just leave you, right?
podcast fans. Did you know that the best place to listen to your favorite shows ad-free is Stitcher Premium? They've got Conan O'Brien Needs a Friend, My Favorite Murder, Wolverine The Lost Trail, Bitch Sesh, The Fantasy Footballers, Science Rules with Bill Nye, and more, all without commercial interruptions. And we can hook you up with a sweet deal. To get one month free, go to stitcher.com slash premium and use promo code POPTARTS. That's stitcher.com slash premium, promo code POPTARTS. Before we get back to the show, I want to tell you about our new sponsor, Wolfie Vibes Publicity. If you're working on a new project and find yourself in need of a kick-ass publicist who communicates well and works tirelessly to get you the coverage you're after, consider going to Wolfie Vibes Publicity. Wolfie Vibes Publicity is a female-owned and operated boutique PR firm that will get you where you need to be, and you'll even have fun in the process. Get in touch via WolfieVibesPublicity.com for details and quotes, and tell them that Pop-Tart sent you. Essentially, I started it because every female comedian I know was amazing and hardworking and hilarious and I knew would make great podcasts. And every male comedian I know already had a podcast and was doing their own thing. (laughs) Hi, I'm Kate Moldenhauer, the founder of More Banana Podcasts, a comedy podcast network entirely produced, hosted and led by women. We have shows about politics. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Let's Get Civical. When the Supreme Court puts stuff on their calendar, they use the word docket. So their Google calendar is a docket. Is a docket. So technically, I have a docket. You have a docket. We all have dockets. We all have a docket. Sex. Welcome to My Vagina. I'm Jesse Karen. This is Rebecca Frank. What were ancient Greek dildos made of, Jesse? They were made of padded leather and, yep, anointed with olive oil. (laughs) Scams. I'm Caitlin Bradley Smith. <laughs> and, and we, we love scams. scams. She tells them she's a German Russian heiress and she seems like she has a lot of money and people buy it. That's yeah. basically what's happening. So as soon as she got a loan, she would cash it as much as she could out before anybody caught on. Which Amazing. Was so smart. I mean, so like, smart. <laughs> I mean, it's terrible, but like to take that money out immediately. Because women are actually pretty versatile and funny. More Banana is a network of women's voices, unfiltered and uninterrupted. Find us everywhere you get your podcasts and learn about our growing roster of shows at morebanana.com. And we're back. Callie, we just talked to Dulce Sloan. She was brilliant and amazing and inspiring and i'm so happy that we did that now i need to know and i want to know and i simply must know callie watts what you watching dude so i got a new and i got an old and the new is i uh, something i did not know i needed in my life until it came to me and that is supermarket sweep hosted by leslie jones that original show, you remember the original show from like way, way back. It was like in the 60s or something. Yeah, I remember it from the 80s. It was cute. I, I'm not really like a game show person, I, you know, like I like Mass Singer, but I'm not really like one to watch like Jeopardy and shit. It's not really my scene. But Leslie Jones was made to host a game show. She's fucking hilarious. <laughs> she like does these little like dances. She's... Like, it's just Leslie Jones being Leslie Jones. And then there's, like, random people there. And there was this two guests. And uh, it was, like, two guys. Um, and every team is named after a food. And their team was barbecue, was, was chicken wings. Because they both love eating chicken wings together. But one of them eats chicken wings with special gloves on. If you wear gloves while eating chicken wings, then you can't lick the sauce off your fingers. Right. And like, why wouldn't you, if you're like, what, why? It it reminded me of that Pete and Pete episode where they had that inspector, the underwear inspector, and he came to the barbecue and then he ate the chicken, the, the barbecue chicken with a fork and a knife. And everybody was aghast. They were like, what is this? (laughs) And then, so then like, so they do their little games and then there's like the big sweep where they run around and grab high volume items and then like special tag items. And Leslie Jones gives them like her personal grocery list. And she had a list for a me night 
and the list included was just three things, a glade scented candle, a spatula and a cucumber. And she said, don't ask me Draw what your I own do. conclusions. <laughs> What's the spatula for? Oh my God. I was The spatula is for spankies. Spanking yourself? Yes. <laughs> I was dying. She is amazing. I was having such a work stress day. And then I watched that and I was like, this is the best thing that could have happened to me in this moment of time. So then the other nice. thing that I'm watching is another this was, you know, that was a remake of a throwback. Now I went way into the throwback hole and I just looked at my Apple TV and said, my so-called life. And there it was my so-called life season Brilliant. one, the only season. And I forgot how fucking good it was from the very jump. Angela is like, I just started hanging out with Rianne and I just felt like because it was fun and I felt like if I didn't, I would like die or something. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, that was like the very first like five seconds. And I was like, yes, I've heard so many good things about that show. I can't believe you've never seen that show. Nobody has leaned hotter in their life. It was on, I think when I was in college. Yeah, probably because it was on when I was in like, I remember dyeing my hair and cutting it like Angela. Then who? Who leans? Oh, who leans? Jordan Catalano. I don't know. While I was watching it last night, I was videotaping little scenes and I was putting them on the internet because my friend was like, oh my God, Jordan Catalano was bae. And then the scene he comes up, he's like, I was like, oh God, the way he leans. And then there's like a scene in the bathroom when Angela's like, he just leans so good. And he does. <laughs> he just leans so good. He had been held back. I love a good lean. He'd been held back twice. He was the bad boy. I haven't gotten to where they oh. make out into the in the furnace room yet. I'm. I'm. It's gonna take me forever <sighs> to make it through every episode because then I just keep hitting up all my friends and I'm like, oh my god, you guys remember this part or like just just so many feels, so many feels. And Ricky was like her or gay this gay friend that always had like a dangly earring and. And they were just the aesthetic of every character. So perfectly 90s. It's so high school in your head. I will just die if I don't type it. it, I blessed with the TV now that I found that, let me tell you. And then, of course, I've been watching The Masked Singer. And uh, I'm very sad because my favorite uh, character in the game, not singing wise, but uh, outfit wise got the boot and that was the baby alien yeah the baby baby alien was not a great singer but the costume was, was so cute i'm so sad he's gone what have you been watching babe i'm so glad you asked well i'll tell you that since our last show i've discovered peacock the nbc streaming service and I've been watching two things mainly on it. The first is the Amber Ruffin show on Peacock, which is my favorite weekly show Ooh. right now. Um, I'm a big fan of Late Night with Seth Meyers. And Seth Meyers, um, on his show, he has two writers, Amber Ruffin and Jenny Hagel, who have this recurring thing that they do called jokes that Seth can't tell because <laughs> um, they're both women and Amber is black and Jenny is gay. And so they tell all the woman black gay jokes like on this segment. And then they always bring in Seth and he tries it. And then like they yell at him because he's a white man and he's a shot. I love that. So like I've enjoyed Amber Ruffin's on air personality for a while. And now she and Jenny have spun off into this weekly show called the Amber Ruffin show where Jenny Hagel is the head writer and they tape it on the Seth Meyers set on the night that they're dark and they, it goes on once and then it airs once a week on Fridays on Peacock and it's a political commentary show with monologues and sketches and it has like musical numbers and oh my god i can't wait to watch this tonight it is a delight amber ruffin is so compulsively watchable i love every single thing that she says and does and she is so cute and so funny 
And I love that um, these two women from Seth Meyers show spun off onto like their own political lady show. And the other thing that I've been watching on Peacock, which is the fall, um, the fall is this Irish British crime series that originally came out in Europe in 2013. And then I think it showed up a few years later on Netflix. Um, like I said, it's a crime procedural drama and it stars Gillian Anderson from oh, X-Files I who I yeah. am obsessed with. And she stars um, as a detective named Stella Gibson. And she is hot on the trail of a rapist who is played by Jamie Dornan from 50 shades of gray. And there's something very like, how could something so wrong be so right about the show? Because um, Jamie Dornan plays like a truly horrific and terrible rapist, but they also really play up how sexy he is. Yeah. Sexy. And can be like, I too. Yeah. And so like in our household, just in the vernacular, Logan will walk by and he's like, Oh, you're watching sexy, sexy rapist again. Like we just call, the fall sexy rapist because that's the show um and there's and there's like sexual chemistry and heat between jillian anderson and jamie dornan's characters while she's you know like pursuing him and he's like obviously very like turned on by being pursued by detective gibson and it's so much there's just a lot of sexual tension and also you know like i love law and order and there's like a good there's a good sort of like Olivia Benson style, like woman detective um, going after the rapist um, element to it. So it's very sort of SVU adjacent, that sounds amazing. Um, but it's in Ireland and um, it's really good. I mean, I sometimes feel problematic when I'm like, oh, I can't wait to watch Sexy Rapist. But like, I'm just saying it is I what mean- it is. It's a good and it's complicated show. There are sexy rapists and you're like, well, if you'd given me a shot, maybe I would have just had sex with you. (laughs) Come all out rapey. And I also know that like rape fantasy is something that a lot of women have. And I'm not going to yuck anybody's yum. Like my friend Erica used to say, whatever doesn't kill you will eventually turn you on. Yeah. And so that's real. And that's definitely an element to the fall. Um, and Jillian Anderson is just the best. So that's on Peacock and I'm into it. Um, and finally, I just want to say that uh, we streamed Bill and Ted Face the Music and it was so cute. Oh, I saw and, that. Um, I'm so, it was not like. I'm so happy that Keanu. Let me tell you about Keanu's face. Without the beard, talk he about is it. less striking. He looks He's definitely hotter with the beard. He looks so much younger without the, with the, I mean, not younger. He looks like more, there's just something about his face with the beard. I had to Google him to see if he had work done or if they put a lot of makeup on him. Yeah, his, he definitely looks slightly less well-preserved without the beard, but you know, he has, you know, as Bill and Ted, he had to shave the beard. So, you know, he took one for the team for, for continuity. And I have to admit that at the end, I got a little verklempt when all the threads came together in one joyous re uh, sort of union of humanity, all sort of like trying to work together to save the world. Because I feel like just like in the movie that uh, humanity may be destroyed and that we should all probably come together to, to avert it. And if we could be inspired by Bill and Ted to do so, all the better. Um, so that's what I've been watching. The final thing that I've been watching is, of course, the Majestic Pop-Tarts yes. Patreon page. Um, it's in the world. It's great. And we are trying to get uh, donors to this podcast to help us keep Bust alive during these very, very difficult times. And we're hoping that you'll be excited by the goodies, the incentives that we've created to try to attract Pop-Tarts listeners to coming over to patreon.com slash pop tarts podcast and becoming our sponsors. Um, Callie and I have been typing up show notes for every single episode of this show that where we link to everything that everyone has been watching for the entire history of the show going back three years. And we hope that as this uh, sort of pandemic drags on and you're wondering what to watch next that you would like to avail yourself of that resource that we've created for you um we also have totally ad-free episodes 
There's exclusive content on there that you can't get anywhere else, including our interview with Big Frida. And uh, there are more goodies like that. Please check it out at patreon.com slash Podcast. We really appreciate it. Um, I also appreciate our luscious producer and sound engineer, Logan Del Fuego. Muy caliente, Logan. And our girl gang at Bust Magazine. You can find me on Twitter at Emily Rems and on Instagram at Rems Emily. But you cannot find Callie on social media, so don't try, right? Well, you can email us. I'm at emilyrems at bust.com. Callie W at bust.com. And you can learn more about this show at bust.com slash Pop-Tarts. And finally, please rate and review this podcast on Apple Podcasts. It really helps us get the word out. We super duper appreciate it. Until next time. She went down on this woman and she had a swastika tattooed on her clit, on her clitoris.